Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 4th of July 2010, entitled Rest Unto Your Soul. And the Bible reading is taken from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Beginning in Matthew 11, verse 28. Familiar passage says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Father, I thank you this evening for, again, this time that you give us together. Now for these next moments, Lord, as we look into your word, Lord, we do pray for that anointing that can only come from you, We pray, Father, that you would take and accomplish that that is beyond man. We pray, Lord, that as you look and know the needs of each and every heart here this evening, that you would use your spirit and your word to do the work that needs to be done in each life. May you receive all the glory and all the honor for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen, amen. Certainly a familiar passage, the Word of God, and of course, The Bible says there, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You ever feel tired sometimes and just feel weary and weak? You just need some rest to be refreshed once again. Of course, he's talking here about being heavy laden. Sometimes you can just get to feel like the The load is just too much, and you're bearing down under it. Of course, we find that here, when you're putting forth your efforts and you're putting forth that labor, as it calls it here, you're carrying whatever it is that you're having to carry in life. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you're his child this evening, you're included in this. If you're not his child this evening, then the same truth applies. You still need to come to him if you're ever going to find rest. There's only one place that you'll be able to find it, and that's with the Lord Jesus Christ. What is this rest that the Bible is speaking of here? Well, look with me over at what the psalmist says, first of all, uh, in the fourth psalm, Psalm 4. And notice what he says there in verse 6 of Psalm 4. There be many that say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. The psalmist is saying, there be many that say, who will show us any good? The truth is, is that at some time or another in every human being's life, they're going to be seeking this rest that is talked about here. Who can give us? Who can give us something good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. I think the psalmist had come to recognize that every human being may be seeking after it, but there's only one place to find it. That's with the Lord of heaven. 
He tells us just a little further over in our Bibles in Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. Notice what he says, picking up in verse 13. He says, A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knoweth nothing. For she sitteth at the door of her house on a seat in the high places of the city to call passengers who go right on their ways. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. And as for him that wanteth understanding, he saith to him, Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he knoweth not that the dead are there, and that her guests are in the depths of hell. You see, this lady is offering something that she really can't give. And that's exactly what we find in the world today, this rest that we've been promised here by the Lord Jesus Christ is something on the one hand that everybody seeks after. When, when, they're, when they're laden down and when they're weary in this life, they're seeking for that rest. But we'll see as we, as we look on here that it's, this is not just a, a physical rest that's being needed. But we find that it's an inward rest as well. Sometimes that heavy load is something that we're carrying in our hearts not just upon our shoulders. So we find that it's something that all are looking for and, and all need it at some point, and, and the world offers it in all kinds of different ways, but it can never really, really give it. It can be deceptive just as we find here in the Proverbs. It can make all kinds of promises. But you know, just as our spiritual selves, the Bible says there's a way that looketh right unto man. It all looks good. It all looks great. It looks like it's the ideal thing that we want. But yet, it's a way that leadeth to destruction. So we find that this rest that the Bible is speaking of here in the Scripture is something that everybody needs, but it's something that the world simply can't give. It's something that without it, It'll take away your joy and your peace. You know, there's so many, so many today that they have the Lord Jesus Christ. They've got the greatest gift in all the world. Yet, they walk around with no joy and no, no peace in their lives. They walk around with all of these heavy burdens that they're kind of carrying around. They just need to find relief. They need to somehow be able to put down some of the tiresome burdens that they're having to carry sometimes. And, of course, life is not short of pressures. Life is not short of problems. We speak of a rest, a rest here that is far more important than just a physical rest. I'm, I'm sure. You know, there's an amazing thing, the He's talking about laboring. He's talking about being heavy laden. Have you ever noticed sometimes in this life, when is the times that you've experienced your greatest rest? It's after your greatest labor, after your greatest exertion. I, I can remember a time, believe it or not, when 
I used to be a fairly athletic individual. And one of the things that I used to love to play and played almost every day for, for probably close to a couple of years of my life was, was squash, which you get out on that, on that court and, and you go at it and it just absolutely wears you and you come off and you feel like you could just literally lay down and just everything in you is gone. But you notice after expending all of that energy, sometimes I felt the most refreshed, the most rested in my body. And the same thing so many times, even spiritually and emotionally, just as physically. You know, you go out and you work a hard day's labor. And you come in, boy, it feels so good just to rest from all that hard work. Spiritually and emotionally sometimes. It's after we've gone through some of the most trying, difficult, heavy times that have really been challenging for us. With the Lord, we can feel the greatest rest. Jesus says, you shall find rest unto your souls. He's talking about something that's far, far, far deeper in our lives than just the physical rest. Rest unto your souls. And that's our thought this evening as we look at this passage, just this rest that will run deep within us. Speaking about the, the mental and the spiritual and all those things, a rest. It'll cause your mental and spiritual weariness to be refreshed in the Lord. And sometimes, sometimes we just, we need it to be refreshed. What is this rest that the Lord speaks of here? May I just remind you something that every human being needs. It's something that the world may offer but will never, ever, ever be able to fulfill it's something that, as Christians, we need to be able to sometimes, even when we're working hard for the Lord and we're expending all of those energies and what and whatnot, we need to sometimes find relief and we need to be refreshed because we can become weary in the work. It's a rest, a rest unto the soul, that inward rest that nothing else or anybody else can give to us. So, if that's what the Lord's talking about, I mean, being rested and refreshed from within, where do we find that kind of rest? I mean, surely we know that just as the world promises, people look in all kind of directions trying to find it. We could find that you look in your Bibles in the book of Ecclesiastes, and I, I won't take time to, to read it all. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and Ecclesiastes chapter 2, I think that as you read here, you'll find the people looking in all kinds of places to find precisely what we're talking about here. He says, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? All this work that we're putting in, what does it really profit? Notice he goes on and he says, One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteth to his place where he arose. 
The wind goeth toward the south and turneth about in the north. It whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Unto the place from whence the rivers came, thither they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. That which is done is that which shall be done. There is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new. It has been already of old time which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come afterwards. In other words, folks, people come and people go. Things change, but in fact, they don't really change at all. <laughs> Things are new, and yet they're still the same as the old. Life seems to just run in a cycle. As we look and as he goes on, he says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I gave my heart to seek and search out of wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travaileth hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight. That which is wanting cannot be numbered. I commune with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate, and have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is vexation of spirit, wherein much wisdom is much grief. He that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. You see, he says that, you know, as life goes on, we get smarter and smarter and we gain all this knowledge, yet, Things around us, we still face the bad. We still see the evil. And the truth is, is the more that we know, the more sorrow it will bring because the more evil and bad that we're going to see and gain in that knowledge. Because it seems like a vicious circle. Where is the rest he says in chapter 2, I said in my heart, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom to lay hold on folly till I might see what was that good for the sons of men, which they should do unto the heaven all the days of their life. In other words, the world will offer you all kinds of means of pleasure, but it's worthless. <laughs> it's vanity. 
That's not the kind of rest that our Lord is offering us. He goes on and he says in verse 4, I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made my gardens and orchards and I planted trees in them, all kinds of fruit. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and I had servants born in my house. Also, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold, the peculiar treasure of kings of the provinces. I get me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem also, my wisdom remained with me. Whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. And I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do. Behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. And there was no prophet under the sun. I mean, he's pulling out. He'd worked hard and he had sacrificed and he had, he'd built the big houses and he had all the possessions and he had all the people waiting on him, hand and foot and all these things. And yet, he says, in the end, I found that it was all just vanity. It was just worthless. And we find that he goes on. And of course, as 12 through 15, he comes back and he speaks again of the knowledge and the wisdom that he couldn't find it there. Verses 16 and 17, for there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever, seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten. How dieth the wise man as the fools? Therefore, I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me. For all is vanity and vexation of spirit. You know, he can become famous before men. This is what he's talking about here. Being famous in the eyes of man, being known by man, but he says, in the end, it'll all be forgotten. You can build as big a name and become as famous as you want to in the eyes of these in this world, but in the end, it'll all be forgotten. He goes on in verses 18 to to 21, yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. Everything that I've worked for, in fact, I'm not taking it with me. I'm just going to have to leave it behind for somebody else. And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? I can work myself into the ground to build all these riches on this earth. The one that comes behind me is probably going to be a fool and just go out there and blow it and waste it all on something that he shouldn't anyway. Yet, shall he have rule over all my labor, wherein I have labored, and wherein I have showed myself wise under the sun? This is also vanity. You can use great wisdom. You can have the ability and the knowledge and build all the possessions and everything else. But he says, in the end, it's worthless. You're going to leave it all behind, and somebody else is going to come along and do something with that that you have worked so hard and sacrificed all your time for. 
Therefore I went about to cause my heart to despair of all the labor which I took under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity. Yet to a man that hath not labored therein shall he leave it for his portion. This also is vanity and a great evil. (laughs) I can work hard. Some lazy person is going to come along behind me probably and just reap on all of the things that I've spent my life working for. You see, this inward rest, this inward peace, it's not found in what we leave behind because somebody else is going to come along and do something with it. Notice what he says in verse 22 and 23. For what hath man of all his labor and of the vexation of his heart wherein he hath labored under the sun. For all his days are sorrows, and his travail grief, yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This is also vanity. There's no rest. There's no rest in all of this. But verse 24 says, There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink, and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. <laughs> well, who can eat? Or who else can hasten hereunto more than I? For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner he giveth travail to gather and to heap up that he may give to him that is good before God. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. Anything that's worthwhile is going to come from God. (laughs) He is the only one. He found the only one that could bring about this rest, this inward rest, this rest to the soul. We find that we could look other places. It's not going to be found in idleness. It's not going to be found in in sin. We can find all these things in the Word of God. But the question that I ask is if we are talking about this rest that every human being needs, that the world with all of its great offers, in the end, they cannot give it. They may offer you something that will temporarily do something to bring some relaxation to this physical man. They can even give you things, and sometimes they call them tablets and medicine and things like that that can seem to bring maybe some temporary relief to the inward, the mental, to the emotional, to the spiritual. But in the end, there's nothing in all of this world that's what the preacher found out here in Ecclesiastes. (laughs) That's what he found out. All of it. In the end, the only way that, the only place that rest can really come from is from God himself. Jesus said to us here in Matthew chapter 11, come unto me and I will give you rest. Only in Christ. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4. Hebrews, chapter 4. 
Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. May I say, first of all, that there is absolutely, positively no way in all of the world to enter the kind of rest that God wants to give, that inward rest, unless first of all and foremost, it's not just knowing the facts. It's not just knowing what God can do. We find here that these had heard the gospel, but it had not been mixed with faith. It had not been applied to the life. For we which have believed, do enter into rest. The first way, the first way and the only way that you'll ever get on the path to this rest is by first and foremost knowing with absolute certainty. If you're here tonight, I don't care what else you've got straightened out in your life. I don't care what else you might be doing right. I don't care how many people that you might be trying to help all the good that you might be doing, how much more on path that your life is right now than it's ever been before. If you don't hear anything else that this preacher says tonight, will you please listen and understand there is nothing in your life. There is nothing that matters if you don't know with certainty that you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and that you're ready to face Him today. Nothing else. There's no other path to get to this inward rest that comes from God, except first of all, believing and putting your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ when he died upon the cross, when he shed his blood for you. Religion won't do that for you. All the best intentions in the world won't do that for you. You must know that. But it's more than just knowing the facts. You must be willing to humble yourself as a sinner and admit your sinfulness and cry out to God for that forgiveness, for His mercy, because He wants to forgive you. He wants your sins to be wiped away. He's paid the price. He's done everything that's necessary. But if you won't make the move to accept that, if you won't accept that gift that He's offering to you, it can never accomplish what it's meant to accomplish. Oh, yes, I'm talking about... You may be here troubled and struggling. And you need some inward rest in your life. But there's nothing, there's nothing else that I'm going to say that makes any difference whatsoever if you're not willing, first of all, to take that first step in acting upon that which you've heard in the gospel in knowing that you've sinned, in knowing the, the penalties of that sin is death. But knowing that God wants to give you eternal life through Jesus Christ, His Son, there is nowhere else for you to go. You'll never find that peace within. You'll never get that rest unto your soul. You might get some physical relief, some, some physical uh, release from some of the difficulties in this life. You might even get some temporary relief from some of your emotional struggles. But I'm saying you'll never find that rest until your soul, until you come by the cross, until you come and know with certainty that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior 
And that's the place. That's the place. Once you've come to that, then you can go on and God can do something for you that this world can't do for you. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said. As I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, God knew what we would need. God knew what would have to be accomplished. He knew how we would fail. And yet he still loved us so much that from the foundation of the world, the plan was in place. Jesus Christ would come. He would make a way for you to have that rest. Where he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest... Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of what? Of unbelief. Because of unbelief. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if ye will hear his voice, Harden not your hearts, for if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to who? To the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifested in his sight but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then, we have a great high priest that is passed into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, to be quite honest, I knew when I was putting these thoughts down on paper, well, I knew that the first point, you know, when I thought about, well, what is the rest that Jesus is offering here? Jesus said, come unto me and I will give you rest. It, you know, look in the Scripture and you begin to see, well, you know, it's, it's not hard to see that it, it's something that people need and something that people want and something that the world offers but never can fulfill and all these things. But when I got to that next question, okay, we come to realize that this rest is something beyond the grasp of this world. It's something that only God can give. 
Where do we find it? And again, we look at Scripture, we begin to see all these places that we can't find it. That there's only one place that we can find it, and that's with God. And that the only way that we can get access to it is through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I begin to grasp. There's no way. There's no way to fully grasp and understand all that God has done for us, all that God wants to give to us. We all in this world, we we find ourselves so influenced by the things, the good things and the bad things that are going on around us. God's got something so grand for us that this world can't even compare to it. And yet, we get ourselves caught up in this world. And that doesn't mean that everything around us is bad. So sometimes the good things can keep us from the best. God wants to give us an inner rest. So finally, this third question, well, if, if, if this rest is you know, something that, that is deep within that can only come from God, it's something that can only come through, first of all, those that have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. How can we experience that rest? And I look back here and I said, well, you know, this promise seems so simple to us. Again, as we look at what Jesus said there in, in Matthew chapter 11, Let's just look at those words when Jesus said to us, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. That's not hard to understand. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. You know, we look around and these, these, these are people that are working. These are people that, that care. These are people that are, that are carrying some loads we find that, okay, as we look there, he's promised to, to give us rest. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will bring you that relief that you need. What a promise. Then he goes on and he gives us some action. Notice he says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Well, when was the last time you used a yoke? <laughs> Has anybody ever used a yoke? How many of you know what a yoke is? Don't be ashamed. All right, we've got a few people anyway. It's not as common in our day as it was when they were speaking here. But of course, that yoke was something that was used that would go upon those oxen or the animal that was being used that would put that animal under the control of the one that was actually in charge. He says, take my yoke upon you. What is he talking about? Well, if you would, he's saying, let me guide you. Let me have control of your life. We've talked about this in different ways lately, but basically it comes down to submission, doesn't it? <laughs> Giving ourselves over to God's control, letting Him do with us what He wants to do. 
And of course, we could look back and we could look back at how this applied in, in the Old Testament and the synagogue and things like that. But I'm just simply saying to you here, Jesus is saying, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, come unto me, come to Jesus, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Quit trying to control it all yourself. Quit trying to figure out which direction you need to go. He's saying, put my yoke. Let me have control of your direction. Let me take you where you need to go. Quit trying to control the situation and figure it out and do it yourself. Submit yourself to me. You find that take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Well, it's not hard to, to know what he means by learning from him. We give him control of our lives. We truly let him do the, the teaching of us. He says, what? Jesus said, I am meek and lowly in heart. We've talked about this before, that meek doesn't mean weak. It means mild. It means gentle. Jesus is not going to do anything to harm you. He said, give me control. You know, the truth is, I'm sure that you've seen people, you may not have seen somebody with their... <coughs> with their oxen and their yoke plowing the field and, and been there with them. But I'm sure you've seen people with animals. You see some people how that you just know. Before they ever say a word, you can tell by the way they're treating it. They love that animal to bits. But I'm sure you've seen people that have been unkind to animals too, that have mistreated those animals. You see what Jesus is saying to you is, look, come unto me. I'll give you rest. You've been working hard. You've been doing this thing, and you've got all this heavy load upon you. He said, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. Let me take control instead of you. How much is that going to take off our minds if we know he's in control? Let me tell you something. When that oxen is under control of that yoke, he can only go where the master leads. He can't go anywhere else. That yoke has him in complete control, and he can only be submissive. Because you don't have to fear me. I'm not going to mistreat you. I'm not going to take you somewhere that would bring any harm to you. I'm not going to take you somewhere that would be too difficult. I'm meek. I'm lowly. Jesus Christ has shown the greatest humility of any that could ever show it. And, of course, we read in that passage a while ago, he's been tempted in all points like as we are. You see, what I'm saying is doesn't matter what you're facing. doesn't matter how heavy that that load is. The simple truth is Jesus knows what you're feeling. He knows what you need. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Don't worry about what the world's saying. Don't worry what everybody else is saying. Learn of him, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. He says, for my yoke is easy. 
This word really has about three meanings all combined into one. Christ's yoke is one that is good or kindly, that is serviceable, that's wholesome is a word that we use many times today. He's letting us know that if we'll take his yoke upon us, that it's something that can only bring us good. He's meek and he's lowly. He knows where you are. He's been there. He's, he knows what, what you're feeling. And his yoke is one that'll be wholesome and kindly. It'll bring you to good. One writer said it's like feathers to a bird. Not loads, but that will help that bird to be able to move, to accomplish, to get where it needs to go. Compare what he says here in verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Notice what he says here, and I, Jesus, I will give you rest. But notice what he says in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. You see, the result is twofold here. That rest is only going to come because he is giving it. Christians, his promise is sure today. There's too many of us as believers that are walking around. And though he has given it, we haven't found it yet. He's the giver. And it's the only place that it can come from. And he has given it. He's already made that promise that if you will come to him, he'll give you rest. But he also says here, that you need to commit your life to Him, submit your life to Him, learn of Him. He's meek, He's lowly in heart. You shall find that rest unto your souls. There's so many today that although that the Lord has given it, they haven't found it. How can we experience that rest? Coming to Jesus. Come to him. That's what he said. Don't make it more. He says, come unto me. You need to come unto him for two things. You need to come unto him for salvation. There's no salvation in any other except him. And you need to come unto him for submission, surrender. First of all, we must be saved. And second of all, if we're still trying to take our own ways and go our own ways, and aren't willing to take his yoke, surrender ourselves, let him have control, let him decide where we're going, let him do with our lives. We don't have to worry about it. Let him have complete control. Come unto me. I will give you that rest. Come unto me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. You will find rest unto your soul. It's there. It's there, and either it's true or Jesus Christ is a liar and none of us have any hope anyway. We, we're the ones 
that choose to carry those burdens and let them get us down. And boy, does the devil like it. I mean, you're trying to do good. You're trying your best. You're so genuine. You're so sincere in your Christian walk. And the load just gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And you're determined not to give in. You're going to bear it. You're going to do it. And it gets heavier. <coughs> and we've all seen many will collapse under the burden. But it's all because we're doing it. This promise is so simple, and it's so certain, and it's so sure. If you'll in the first instance know that you're saved, then if you'll in the second instance surrender yourself to him, take the yoke of Jesus, submit to him by faith, trust him, learn from him, you will find that rest to your soul that goes much farther than all the physical and mental rest this world can ever give you. Father, we thank you this evening. Lord, so many Christians, they need this rest into their souls. And it's been promised, and Lord, with all the best intentions in the world, Lord, we just need to give you control. We say it so many times, and yet we turn right around and we go back out and we take the reins and we do it our way and we get on with it and we mean so well. Lord, help us truly to take your yoke upon us, to give you complete control that you can take us, guide us, lead us where you want us to go. Lord, help us to be willing to submit that complete control that you need in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.